0: Let me ask a question. I'm curious about this. I was writing this message, and I'm, I was kind of curious uh, because I do this, but I, by the show of hands, how many of you talk to yourself? Hold your hand up. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. I, well, I keep them up. I want to take a survey. Oh, 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 I'd like to be in that conversation. Okay. Uh, don't put them down yet. I need to. I'm doing sermon research right here. All right. Okay, Good talk to yourself. Okay, you can put it down. Now, some of you didn't raise your hand, and maybe you were embarrassed, but you should have raised your hand, because uh, studies have shown we all talk to ourselves. How many talk to yourself out loud? Let me see your hand. Oh, there's my people's. (laughs) There's my... How do you think I come up with these sermons? I mean, right? Okay. But that's really not the question. The real question that I want to get to, or the more serious question, is if we agree we all talk to ourselves. what I really want to ask is what are you saying to yourself? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the important thing. Because what you say to yourself is a reflection of how you think. And what you think determines where your life is pointed and where you're going. What you think, watch this, it shapes your life. You say, Ken, that sounds like a bunch of, you know, just kind of positive thinking stuff. No, actually it comes straight out of the Bible. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 4, verse number 23 in the Good News Translation, it says it this way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's why we have been so adamant about not just talking about strongholds, but how do we pull them down? How do we get rid of old patterns of thinking and replace them with what what medical doctors and scientists call new neural pathways, okay, or what scripture says is just being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that. I can tell what you're thinking about by where you're at right now in life. Our our, our life is always moving in in the direction of our strongest thoughts. When I was studying, it probably came out of one of the books I gave you last week, but uh, Dr. Paul David Tripp, he said it this way. He said this, he said, No one in your life is more influential than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. I mean, no, that's either really brilliant or really simple, <laughs> or maybe both. I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Negative thoughts, we've already established, they produce negative pathways in our brain. And those are called neural pathways. But medical research has shown in recent years that just because that's the way we're wired or that's the way in our formative years that we got wired, it doesn't mean we can't change those thoughts and form new pathways. Because how many know it's possible to be saved and, and, and on your way to heaven but still processing this thing called life and still walking down old cow paths even though ultimately you're going to heaven but not experiencing breakthrough your life isn't pointed toward abundance or victory or or breakthroughs in life because we still are processing life the same old way and so what we have to do is create new paths or we'll keep going to the same places yeah, I know ultimately you're going to heaven. That's great. But I'm, I, when you get to heaven, you're God's deal, all right? But while you're still on earth, I'm your pastor, all right? And I'm glad you're on your way to heaven, but I want you to live victorious while you're here. Because if we keep going down old cow paths, we never break addictions. We never break habits. We keep on doing the same old things while we're in church with new friends, listening to new songs and reading new books, but still having old problems. How many know I'm right about this? Yeah? Yeah? because we always move in the direction of our thoughts. That's why Paul told us when we studied the book of Ephesians in chapter number four, uh, he says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. We have to put it off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. I'm going to, I'm going to teach more about this later, but Deceitful desires or wrong appetites. How many know we have a propensity toward wrong appetites? I won't make you name them, but how many in here like ice cream? Let me see your hands. Let me, okay, if you like ice cream, my question would be how do you know you like ice cream? Because somewhere along your life, somebody offered you some Rocky Road. Come on now, right? And and you discovered what? And the same thing happens in our sinful nature. We experience things that create appetites in us. Now we're saved, but we're in a new place with an old appetite. Yeah, yeah? And, And so we have to do something about it to be made new in the attitude of our mind. Paul's saying you have to do that. God saved you. He saved your, your spirit, but you have to work on your soul or your mind, all right, and, and, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Uh, here's one of the things I know about all of us. None of us ever lay awake at night not being able to go to sleep because we're, we're just so consumed in counting all of our blessings, There's not a single person here going, oh, man, I just can't get to sleep. I just don't know what I'm going to do with all this money I have. I just don't know what I'm going to do with all these. And if that is you, I'll come over. I'll sing you lullabies. (laughs) All right? And here's what I want to do today. I want to distinguish a couple of things because somebody asked me on part number one, I thought, you know, I need to circle back and do that. Worrying and anxiety, they're a little bit different. If you've experienced uh, anxiety um, uh, to the point of where your body is malfunctioning over it, you understand what I'm talking about. Worry and anxiety, they're related. Like, they're cousins. (laughs) They probably live in the same house, but they're different. Worry, most of the time, is in our minds. So worry is something that I'm thinking about. It's the thing I'm laying in bed at night thinking about. It's like that little buffer wheel on your computer. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It just, you keep thinking about the same thing in different ways. Come on, is anybody, yeah, you know, it's just like, you're just spinning, 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 spinning. And and you're telling yourself, how many times can I think about this, but you can't turn it off. That's all in our mind. But those that then also deal with anxiety most of the time, Anxiety is in our bodies. How many know what I'm talking about? Anxiety could be, man, I don't have nothing bad on my mind, but my body is acting like something's wrong. I have adrenaline happening. I I have adrenaline happening. I have uh, maybe a chemical imbalance. I got something going on like I'm in a fight-or-flight mode, but when I think about it, nothing's going on. In fact, I'm in church around people that love me singing godly songs and all my bills are paid and nothing I can think of is wrong, but my body has gotten stuck in the fight-flight mode and I don't know how to get out of that. Um, And worry can be very specific where anxiety can be just very general. So an example of this might be uh, I'm worried that, that, that I'm not sure how to pay for my car that broke down. I don't know if I have enough extra money to pay for my car that broke down. That's, that's a thought process. That's a logical, okay, my car broke down. Do I have enough money? That's a worry. It's in the mind. But anxiety is bigger than that. Anxiety will always be consumed with, I don't have enough. It's a, it's a lack mentality. It doesn't matter if it's the car that broke down or the furnace that might break down in three years. You see what I'm saying? It's just all-consuming. It's more general. Now, let's add something to that conversation. Let's add concern to this conversation. Um, And and here's what that looks like. Concern, uh, do I have it? Yeah. Concern focuses on a problem, and then it moves us to action hmm so we all have problems uh, people aren't living victorious people that have been married 50 years people that are successful isn't because they've had a lack of problems they've had just as many concerns as everybody else but they focus on what is the problem what can I do something about by the way if you can't do something about it it's not your problem <laughs> oh there's a problem I'm going to the game and it's gonna rain it's not your problem because you can't control the rain how many know what I'm talking about? When, when the Seahawks don't win, they're going to win today. But when they don't win, how many know it's not your problem? How many knows whose it is, though? It's the refs. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So concern focuses on problems, then moves you to action. But watch this. Worry, worry focuses on what's not your problem and results in inaction. That's the difference. What you worry about the most, I heard a pastor say this one time, and I can't give him credit because I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard a pastor one time say, what you worry about the most might reveal, might be an indication to you what you trust God in the least. So if money is always the thing you're worried about, that could be, there could be some wiring in the formative years of your life or events or accidents or incidents that happen that wired our thinking that way. And so now we process every job, every bill, every vacation, every promotion, every possibility with a victim shortcoming uh, mindset. And how many would agree that it's time to change some mindsets? Right? So what we worry about the most, uh, and, and I know we agree, I've repeated this every week, but our world has become so negative that it's easier for us to slip into that because it's harder to find positive influence. You can come to church and not even find positive influence. You can come and hear preachers, and sometimes preachers will make you feel worse than when you came in. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Therefore, the tools that we use cannot be limited to the world's tools. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying medication is bad or therapy or counseling. None of that's bad. But how many know it will only go so far, and we have to fight supernatural problems with supernatural weapons, right? That's why 2 Corinthians says this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, I think I have that. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I mixed my notes up this morning, so that's not on them, it's on me. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. How, how many know we have false arguments? And usually the false arguments happen when we're confronted with truth. You'll show up to church, and I watch it happen all the time. You'll show up to church, we'll present something that is true, and somebody in here to yourself will say, well, that's nice, but that doesn't work for me. If you only knew me, if you only knew what I've been through, if you only knew, and you disclaim why the truth doesn't work for you, but the truth will set you free, right? And so, but what happens is there's an argument that rises up and says, that's good for everybody else. That that works for their marriage, but it won't ever work for me. If you only knew what I've been through, and those are arguments, the truth of God's word, come on, it trumps all of the stuff we've been through. Come on. Am I right about that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's what I want to do today, I want to, I want to give you three questions that you, you're not going to be able to answer right here in this room, but I want to give you three questions to go get alone, you and God, and work through, and these are the things that will help you cut new thinking patterns, or to put it biblically, tear down strongholds in our minds. So here's some questions, number one, here's where I want to start, number one, what stronghold is holding you back? Remember what a stronghold is. It's a wrong way of processing a thought, an event, or something that happens. Okay, so there's a problem and I'm going to fight. Well, maybe that's a stronghold (laughs) because how many know there might be a better way to solve that problem? Right, everybody? How many in life have lived long enough to know, yeah, there should have been a different way than how I responded? Yes? Yeah. Okay, so what's stronghold? Now, Go back to part number one and listen to the four buckets where we put strongholds in one of the four buckets and we carry them around. But if you weren't here for that, just for the sake of today, just, just start categorizing your life and ask what stronghold in what category is holding me back? Is it in the area of relationship? Do I have strongholds as it relates to friendship, the opposite sex? Do I have strongholds as it relates to romantic relationships, to marriage, to sex, to any of that? Is there a stronghold there? Why do I always self sabotage? Why do I always push people away? Why do I have a hard time making friends? Why do I I refuse to go to a life group. Why do I, is is it a stronghold in my relationship or it could be a stronghold in your finances? I just think wrong about money. I, I, I just, you know, I, I have a poverty mindset. We came from nothing. And so I don't know, ever think I could have anything. And, and I could never have a career. I'm just satisfied with a job. And I could never have a savings. I'm just happy with getting my bills paid. But, but is it something that's holding you back? Is it a spiritual stronghold? Is it a marital stronghold? I, I, is it a financial stronghold? You guys following what I'm talking about? And so only you can answer that. And the reason this is so important, we got to start with this question. The reason this is so important is because of this. You cannot change what you will not confront. You can't, cha- you can't fight an enemy that you're not confronting. Come on, right? So you can't change what you won't confront. And, 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 and so we need to know the truth. We're going to apply the truth in just a minute to the stronghold in our life. But And so it's when you know the truth, that's the sword of the Spirit. When you know the truth and use the truth against that stronghold, the truth, the sword of the Spirit, begins to cut a new pathway in our brain and a new way of thinking. And how many know anytime you do something for the first time when you've been doing it the wrong way for a long time, it feels awkward? Some of you feel awkward being in church. Some of you feel awkward clapping your hands to God. Some of you feel awkward worshiping. Some of you feel awkward praying. Some of you feel awkward not doing what you shouldn't do on a date. Come on, somebody, right? Some of you feel awkward doing what used to be normal, but God's trying to change you, and you're applying truth to that. Is that making sense? And and the Bible says, and you will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. Now, when I say that in church, I could preach that up in there, but yeah, but do we stop and know what that means? The truth will set us free. We have strongholds that keep leading us down the same cow paths, and we're saved, but we're still in another bad relationship. We're still broke. We're still whatever it is. So why not change the cow path? Come on, everybody, and apply truth to that stronghold so you end up in a different destination. Can I get an amen on that? See, the devil already knows you're saved and then you're, you're on your way to heaven. And he can't do it. he can't steal your salvation. But what he can do is get you to believe in the lies that keep you from living the abundant life that Jesus has for us while we're waiting on the bus to pick us up. Yeah. Come on. And he'll keep us in a prison. In fact, this isn't original. Come on. The poets of the 1970s wrote about this. Anybody ever heard of the poets of the Eagles? I love the line in their song, already gone? Come on, where's my Eagles fans? So oftentimes it happens. Ooh, I feel like I wish I had a little music going on right now. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains, and we never even know we have the key. That should be a church song. Yeah. I, the, the Eagles, that ought to be a church song. In fact, that ought to be a name of a church band. The Eagles. The Eagles. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains, and we never know. Now, I know some Christians in the room are going to to go, oh, well, Jesus has the key. No, 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 no. You have the key. Jesus doesn't have the key. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He did what he had to do to set your spirit free, but you have to set your mind and your emotion and your soul free. Come on. You hold the keys as a child of God. Come on. I'm going to get a little old school here. Can you guys handle old school? This is called a Bible, everybody, (laughs) otherwise known as a key. This is the key. So oftentimes it happens. We live our lives in chains, and we never even knew that every week on a 20-foot screen, the key is right there. Every day sitting on my nightstand, every day sitting on my coffee table, every day collecting dust, there's this thing called a key that will set us free. I put the chorus in there, too, because this ought to be another Christian anthem. But me, I'm already gone. What are you gone from? You're gone from the prison that the devil wants to put you in. And I'm feeling strong. Come on. Are any Christians feeling strong? And I'm going to sing a victory song. Come on, everybody, right? You know, Cliff, you might be a preacher if you can preach any rock and roll song. How many know what I'm talking about, See, the devil will keep you in prison by telling you lies. And all the while, the freedom of abundant life is waiting for us. So people say, man, you get so spastic. Yeah, because here you are in prison, in old Calpas, when Jesus gave you the key to live abundant life, to overcome, to be victorious, to be the head and not the tail. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. Come on, somebody, right? Now here's the problem with that, because the devil will whisper lies, and if you believe the lie, then the lie becomes truth to you. (laughs) That could be why your friends are rolling their eyes at you, because they know it's wrong, but you think it's true. And the lies we believe become our reality, and the lies we believe become our truth, and the lies we believe become our prison that we live in, all the while, believing lies. Lies like I'm not enough. Lies like I'm not spiritual enough to pray over somebody, to lead a life group, to be on a dream team. Lies like, well, mom and daddy did it this way, I guess I'm going to do it this way. Lies like, daddy was an alcoholic, I guess I'll be an alcoholic. Lies like, daddy was married five times, why should I stay married? Lies like, why should I fight for my kids, they're going to do what they want anyway. Come on, somebody. Right? Lies like, I have to perform for anybody to love me. So you have to stop and say, what strongholds are holding back my life? Number two, here's the second question. Where did the stronghold originate? Now, I'm going to do a blanket on this and help you see from a humankind standpoint where those strongholds originated. Because in the beginning, we were originally created in the image of God. Yes? Okay. So we're created in the image of God. So we know this, that God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's a trinity. He's a three-part being. When he created us, God said, let us make man in our plural image. So we're gonna make them just like us, three parts. And so we have three parts. You can put that uh, on there if you have that. Uh, we're a spirit. Uh, sometimes when you read your Bible, it'll, it'll interchange words like this. It'll interchange the word spirit. You might read words like heart. Okay, so we have a, we have a spirit being, or sometimes the Bible will say heart. Uh, we have a body. Sometimes the Bible will say strength, okay? Um, and, and we have a soul. Uh, uh, our soul is our mind. Uh, our soul, watch this, I think I have this, our soul is where our, our emotions come from, our psyche comes from, our moods come from, our appetites come from, our thinking come from, that's all in the mind. So watch this, when you get saved, you, you, when, when you get saved, you're, you're born, we're born spiritually dead. So when we get saved, when we ask Jesus into our, our spirit man is born again. So the spirit comes alive in us. And so we're made new immediately in spirit. In the body, we're not made new right then. Our body doesn't get saved. How many know that? It's kind of a bummer, isn't it? <laughs> but our, our spirit is made new immediately. Our bodies will be made new in the new heaven. Come on, right? That's where I talk about having an afro in heaven. You won't recognize me, all right? So in heaven, I'm going to get a new body. Okay, so I'm made new in the spirit right now. In heaven, I'm going to get a new body. But in between, the soul is becoming new. Jesus takes care of the spirit becoming new. Jesus will take care of the body becoming new and the sweet by and by. But in the meantime, while we're waiting, we take care of the mind being made new while we're here. You follow what I'm saying? And by the way, that's why Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, he said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, there it is, your heart, your spirit, When we come to church and we're worshiping, our spirit ought to be involved. And with all your soul, our mind ought to be involved. There ought to be some teaching, some intellect, some thought processing. And with all your mind, other translation says all your strength. That's showing us right there. All three parts of us ought to be on this journey of worshiping our Lord and Savior. That's why, why do you always ask people to clap their hands? Because your body should notify, be notified that God is on the throne. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so we tend to, and here's what happens. Because somebody asked me, how come we tend to so easily worry about things? Well, I think that we tend to default towards fear more than faith because it's our fallen nature. Right? I mean, we are born as sinners. And, and so when things happen, it's our fallen nature that our tendency is to first think about the bad rather than think about how God's going to do something great with it. That's our tendency. And if that's our, if that's our tendency, that's an old sinful neural pathway that needs to be closed down and a new pathway, come on, opened up. Are you hearing me, okay, um, uh, uh, for the sake of time, let me let me take, drop this down a little bit farther it 's going to feel like i 'm digressing, but hang with me on this in the garden, Adam and Eve, we know the story of first man and woman, and we know the story. Of the serpent came into the garden and, and and we know the story that you know Eve took the forbidden fruit and um, but here 's what I want to show you. I think this is interesting, and I think it'll connect something. In language, if you study any kind of language, I was talking to Siggy this week, like five different languages. That's just not even right. I barely got English, you know. And, and, so, and so in language, there's uh, masculine and feminine forms of the word, yes, in, in different languages. And so this is interesting. Faith is a masculine word, and, and, and patience is a feminine word. Just just hang with me. I know, all the ladies are going, that's why I'm so much more patient than him. That, that is not what I'm talking about, all right? Okay. So faith is a masculine word. Patience is a feminine word, which is interesting about this because James says that faith and patience produce joy. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, now that's just a little trivia. It doesn't really mean nothing to the sermon except for this. Watch this. The word spirit is a masculine word. Hmm. The word soul is a feminine word. In the garden, the devil did not attack Adam. He he didn't attack masculine. He attacked feminine. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Are you are you ahead of me? When the devil comes to attack us, despite all this language about spiritual warfare and I'm fighting the devil, I'm going to tell you right now, this word picture shows us that the enemy comes to attack, he doesn't come to attack the body. He can't touch your body. He doesn't come to attack your spirit. Your spirit is signed, sealed and delivered. You're on your way to heaven. But when the devil attacks, he doesn't attack Adam, he attacks Eve. When he attacks, he does not attack the he does not attack the spirit. He attacks the soul the mind tell me i'm wrong about this right he's always he's always whispering into our ear and he's always it shouldn't even be called spiritual warfare it ought to be called soul warfare because it's always attacking the mind the thought process he's always pressing rewind he always causes you to hear the critique and never the compliment And we believe those lies. We believe those lies. Uh, Every thought matters because our lives move in the direction that the thought paths have created in our lives. So, what I'm trying to say to you is that we have to train our brain. If you're going to win the brain battle, you got to go to boot camp. I was talking with Derek Oates this week in the parking lot, and he was in his uniform and had the police car out there. And me and my family, we were out there after Next Steps, and 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 he had he had his police dog in the back seat, and and he opened the door, and we got to see his dog, and we were trying to get my grandbaby to uh, pet the dog, and she's smart, she's like, no way, he's bit people before, all right. <laughs> He's a bit bad guys. How do I know I could be a bad guy? I don't know. But so anyway, we were out there with Derek, and, and, and Derek said, Yeah, I've been through 4,200 hours of training with this dog. And not done. That's a lot. And we wonder why our dog won't get the newspaper for us. <laughs> but it occurred to me how much time we will spend on training Some things. And we want to come to church and make sure it's done in an hour and get an hour training. Come on, somebody. Against all the other trainings that we've had for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years and think one little sermonette is going to help us get victory. No, friends, we hold the keys. See, the church doesn't hold your keys. The church is just here to say, you got the keys. And I just find different ways to say it all the time. Sometimes I say it loud. Sometimes I say it mean. Sometimes I say it soft. Sometimes it rhymes. But I want you to know that you hold the keys. Come on, everybody. So let me wrap this one up with Philippians chapter number 4. You know this verse. We've done this book of the Bible. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Watch this. Fix your thoughts. I love the way that's that. Fix your thoughts. If you're thinking wrong, fix your thoughts. If your thoughts are broken on sexuality, fix your thoughts. If, you, if your thoughts are wrong on negativity, fix your thoughts. Well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Fix your thoughts, focus them on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable. Think about these things. Those are the things we're supposed to be thinking about. Um, I, I love uh, it, one of the translations It says it this way, instead of about think about these things, it uses the word meditate. It says meditate on these things. Uh, Psalms chapter 143 verse number 5 says this. It says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. That's the key. I meditate on the Word of God. I meditate on the Word of God. I play podcasts and sermons that help me break through in the area that I need to break through. I listen and read books in the area that I need to change the thinking in my life. If you want to have a good marriage, let me ask you, how many books on marriage are you listening to? How many podcasts on godly marriages are you listening to? How many sermons on marriages are you listening to? Come on, we got to think about those things. Come on, everybody, right? And, and meditate. I'm not, when we use the word meditate in church, some old-time Christians freak out like, oh, meditate, whoa, because Eastern meditation means to empty your mind. I'm not talking about emptying your mind. I'm talking about filling your mind up with the Word of God. <laughs> you know, there was this great saint by the name of Jackie Chan. <laughs> and he said this, He says, your focus needs more focus. (laughs) And sometimes that's just, I don't even know what else to say, but your focus needs more focus. You know? (laughs) Come on. Right? You do. You do. All right. And that's true because we allow our minds to go down these paths, and all the while, we hold the key. Your focus, your meditation, what you think about needs more focus. That's why the old-time Christians will talk to you about their prayer closet. I know for some of us young folks, that's like, what? That's weird. I'm going to go into a closet with my boots and coats and pray? Yeah, because there's no TV in there. You lock the kids out. And it's amazing what happens when you quiet life down, how your focus can gain some focus let me do question number three and I'll be out of your way number three is what spiritual truth demolishes the stronghold that you've identified it's no different than what I said week number one you take those four buckets I apologize but it's online if you didn't hear it you take the four buckets of how we process negative thought and you add a truth to that way of processing uh, Proverbs 21, in the New American Standard, it says this way, a wise person scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold. In other words, if you're going to go to war, I'm not going to get caught fighting all this peripheral stuff. I'm going to go straight for the stronghold. And I want to challenge you, go straight for the stronghold. Think on these things. When I read Philippians where it says, think on these things, let me tell you a little practice I did, okay? Um, um, think on these things. I'm going to show you how to do this. It's really easy. But when you get a verse that helps attack the negative area of your life, here's what i suggest doing. Now, some of you, most of you in this room will probably use a self, uh, an iPhone or a, a smartphone to do this. In my day, I used to take index cards, and I would find the verse that I needed to tear down wrong thinking in my life. And then here's what I'd do. I would write it. I would say it. I would think it and I would believe it and every morning no kidding every morning sit up in my bed grab my pile of of index cards and I I've already written it so I've written it and now I'm gonna say it and I don't say it in my I say it out loud I, I say it come on faith comes by hearing and hearing what the Word of God that means you gotta say something that your ears can hear Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying, right? So write it, say it, think it, believe it. Write it, say it, think it, believe it. How long? As long as it takes. As, as long as it takes I, one of my, the issues in my life was shame and one of the verses I wrote down was Romans chapter number one now there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus today I'm putting my feet on the ground I'm going to start this day knowing that the devil is a liar I don't have to live in shame I am more than a conqueror according to God's word and I say it out and I repeat it come on I've already told you, I have a tendency to lean toward worrying. And so I go to Philippians 4 all the time. Do not be anxious for nothing, nothing, nothing. I, I, like that word's all in capital letters. Uh, don't worry about anything, but in all things, be in prayer. Come on. Here's my easy hack. Some of you think this is brain surgery. you got to be a pastor. you got to have a theo- theological degree. You don't. It's real simple. How many of you have a computer? Let me see your hands. Uh, how many of you have a smartphone? Let me see your hands. Uh, how many of you are dead? Let me just see your hand, all right? All right. So watch this. It's real easy. There's this really crazy thing called Google. Anybody ever heard of it? It's this crazy crazy thing. And Google's not even saved. Like, last thing I knew, Google doesn't even come to church. But Google has to answer whatever question you ask, whether it's saved or not saved, whether it's an atheist or not an atheist. And so you can Google literally any verse, not even a verse, any issue that you're dealing with. If you deal with fear, in fact, I did it this week for you. I Googled Bible verses about fear. And here's what popped up. Bam. Google don't even go to church. And Google knows more verses than most of us that are trying to fight fear. Come on. So Google the issue, find the verses, take an old-fashioned Bible and look them up, write them down, and tomorrow morning, before you start your day, write it, read it, say it, and believe it. Right, everybody? Yeah, that's how you begin to overcome. I know you're wanting something more brilliant than that, but I'm not brilliant. If you want brilliant, go to Greg's class in just a minute, all right? (laughs) The great Harry Houdini, anybody ever heard of him? He would come to town to promote his big shows that he was going to do. And and he would come to town, and this is before the day of, you know, electronics and, you know, all that kind of promoting. So he would just come and start talking to crowds in the street and get them to follow him. And and he would go to a local jail wherever he was going to perform his magic acts. And, And he would have the jailer lock him in jail and and he would always pick the lock within so many seconds or minutes and 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 get out and that was his big thing to promote his shows and his shows were always sold out until one day many of you know this story it's an old story until one jailer put him in jail and never locked the cell and the whole time that Harry Houdini was trying to pick the lock to set himself free what he was really doing was locking the door and keeping himself in. So many times it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the keep. Right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to give you uh, something that will help you. Um, There is an app that many of you might not know about, and it will help you. It's called uh, uh, Pray.com. That's what it looks like. Right after you download the Radius app that has a Bible verse in it for every single day of the year, Download this app, because whatever you're dealing with, you can type that word in, and it will walk you through how to pray through that. So you're dealing with anger? Before you punch somebody, (laughs) look at your app, because you know you had to set your phone down to make a fist to punch the guy anyway, (laughs) and type in anger, and pray through that issue. Come on. Yeah right? Are, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying though? Listen, guys, I can't do much more. I'm giving you tools after tools after tools after tools, and I'm begging you quit walking down the same cow paths. It's time to break addictions. It's time to break habits. It's time to live the abundant life that God has for us. Amen? Okay. Would you stand with me all over this place? You say, man, it's not even 10 o'clock. Don't think you're getting out of here yet.